closed our mouth, my mouth during that silence, and I'd say there's a small tooth click. <laughs> like that. <laughs> like that. Just like that. Just like that. Okay, ready? Yeah, ready. Uh, hello and welcome to The Good Robot Andy's Season 3, Episode 18. It's a long season. Oh, it's a long one, folks. Um, we should probably start a new season soon. I think I say that every week and then we don't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we don't. We need to have a gap. That's yeah. the, having a gap is the excuse for... And we had a gap and we didn't. And then that's our own lookout. So we had a, we had a season break, which is what they... Seems to be the prevailing trend in the United States now, as they have a season break uh, over Christmas sometimes. Right. And then yeah, they we, come should back. Have had, we should have started a new season then. Uh, but they don't start a new season. They just sort of stop mid-season and then make everybody wait for the next episode. So Yeah, but we're more old-fashioned. Yeah. Yeah, we roll like the BBC, you know. One series, straight through. Yeah. Yeah. Three episodes. <laughs> Episodes. Classic, everyone loves it, never make another series. That's a mini-series, surely. Actually, you make episodes. two. What you do is you make two series, each containing, what, eight episodes? Like Forty Towers. Forty Towers, yeah. Yeah, yep. and everyone goes on about it for the rest of their lives, how great it was. And um, Yeah, and, and to do it. with the case of Python, nobody remembers the final series that John Cleese wasn't in. Oh dear, is that right? I yeah. don't think I've seen that. Well, exactly, yes. <laughs> I think it was probably broadcast once and then everybody realised that actually Cleese was really important. Do you know what I like? What's that? I like I like the script where the Blamange aliens have come to destroy the world and a couple from some town with a humorous name uh, ate the aliens because they love Blamange. Oh, well, who doesn't love Blamange? Well, actually, somebody might not I don't, like it. I don't really like it at all. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah. So you mentioned, uh, <laughs> just before we started recording, that you've are watched... Are we going to say what film we're yeah, but let's talking do, about tonight? Let's do a or who we are? Let's do a preamble. Yeah, actually, let's do, yeah. No, we do who we are at the end. Well, we'll oh, no, also hang do on. who we are at the beginning. No, go on then, yeah, go on then. <laughs> All right, so yeah, this was as you, if you may have you may have missed it in the rush. Uh, this is the good robot Andy's. Uh, my name is Andy Balam, and this is I'm Andy Cockerill. And I the film we're going to talk about are we not? Are we going to do that? The film we're going to talk about tonight is uh, Silence. Silence. And before I give you a summary of the film based mm-hmm. only on its title and no other knowledge, which yeah. by the way is the case this evening, ah. we'll do some we'll do some pre. Pre-discussion. Yeah, so some pre-discussion. You mentioned that you watched um, a rather good film uh, recently. I watched Mad Max. Mad Max Fury Road. Mad Max Fury Road, which I'm still struggling for something, some funny way of mis-saying its title. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so are you, clearly. It's tricky. I, I, normally, it's tricky. I normally depend on you <clears throat> to do that. But. Well, I've been watching a lot of a show called Toast of London on Netflix, okay. uh, which I think was on Channel 4 originally. Uh, mm-hmm. It features a guy called Matt Berry, who was in the IT crowd, which our, right, which yep. our listener might be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and this character, who's called Stephen Toast, uh, <laughs> he routinely mispronounces words. Not He puts the, the emphasis in the wrong place, right, right, much right. like we do for comic effect. So, for Com- example, he calls effect. Bruce Forsyth, Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that kind of thing. You know, so um, uh-huh. right. I'm trying to think. Mad Max Fury. 
Fury Road. Mad Max. Mad Max. Smad Max. Um, so you liked it. I, I think it's true. Fury Road. I really enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't exactly what I was expecting. Look, one of my problems I have with films that we've talked about, and also that lots of people talked about, is that I have expectations and opinions formed. So one of the things I have to do is, the first watch, I have to kind of throw out those wrong expectations. Mm. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching it again without the sort of misleads of... I Basically, I thought that the women were going to be the women who were being rescued were going to be much more um, like leading roles rather than just being the kind of prize that's being rescued. Okay. Um, Chatting, so I, I was kind of waiting. Yeah, I was waiting for that to happen and it didn't happen. I don't think I have a problem with it not happening because I think, you know, there's there's some really excellent, strong female roles yeah. in it. and Ch- Charlie's and it kind of it's incredible. Yeah, and it also, I mean, it fits with the plot that these people, you know, it's like if I was in that situation, right? I wouldn't suddenly become a fighter. I would just be trying, scared and running away. And that these people were raised in a sort of pampered situation. I mean, a horrific, abusive, yeah. but also yeah. pampered situation. Uh, that, which means that they wouldn't just be fighters automatically. So mm. plot wise, it works fine. And but it just it slightly put me off. I was waiting for that moment to happen when they all like hardened up and became soldiers. And, right. And they they didn't. So it well, slightly was, put. I me mean, off. there was a bit of that. There there is. There was a little bit. Yeah. There is a bit of that. But yeah, they're they're definitely not soldiers, are they? They. Yeah, and I think that made for a sense. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, yeah, as a sort of um, tale for our times, I think it works. And as a really. Um, relentless, propulsive, utterly relentless action film. Yeah, but it, it's a work um, of. Um, it worked very well. You know, George Miller doesn't get enough credit. Uh, I think mainly because he's made things like Happy Feet and Babe. Although I quite like <laughs> Babe. I think Babe is a decent. Seen Babe. It's a decent film, but um, he doesn't get enough credit for being an incredible auteur, artist, director. Because you know, Fury Road is a film that's. There's nary a frame of that movie that hasn't been manipulated in some way. Um, there's uh, not. It's, it's fantastic. There's very I mean, little CG in the film. It's mm. there's a lot of really good practical effects in it. Yeah. Um, so I, I was um, I was thinking, to, noticing myself in the middle of one of the very. It's basically one long action sequence. But yeah, it is. The, yeah. The one the one sequence where there's an entire army of um, vehicles chasing along behind. And Max is waving around yes. on a thin pole, swinging back and forth across the frame. Yeah. And behind him, you could see all the vehicles. And I just had this massive grin on my face. Yeah. And I was like, yes. It really is that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, they did this for real. Yeah, so it was good. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, it, it um, I mean, it is basically just action. But so long as you're okay with that, then uh, it's mm. good. Interestingly... Miller has said he was he's been asked you know at the time he was asked a lot about this and people saying look is this the same Max as Mel Gibson's Max or is this a different Max and he initially said no it's definitely the same one and then in other interviews I think maybe because he was getting tired of the question and he just wanted to kind of wind people up they were asking things like so but could he be one of the children from from the third movie you know that's grown up and is a different character Okay, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, could could be that as well." So, <laughs> I I totally assumed it wasn't the same Max, but I don't remember any of the the plot from any of the. I think I've probably only seen Mad Max one, maybe two. Yeah, I think it's entirely 
you know it, it, this feels like a completely new setup to me it doesn't feel like the same person yeah it's and the I, same I was really same world but you know mm, yeah, yeah yeah i really wasn't expecting the um style you know i like i i see how the style connects with that world from the previous mad max the at least one that i've seen um but boy can can filmmakers do things to the max these days oh yeah yeah they really <laughs> so, can the style was like dialed up a long way further than i remember it i yeah. don't know whether i'm remembering right i mean yeah the one that that has the action that is reminiscent of this one is Mad Max Two, which is, I think, called in right. America the Road Warrior, um, right. and that I think has action that's reminiscent of Mad Max Fury Road. But Fury Road is way, way better in terms of action. Yeah, I bet. I mean, the styling of the of the bad guys. And oh the, yeah, that's very similar. Yeah, very stylized. Yeah. And I thought much more over the top than I remember, but maybe I'm not remembering. I mean, me. I remember when I talked about this on the radio at the time. I said that. You know, Miller created a whole subgenre of of style and culture with Mad Max mm. in that it's now a touchstone for something that you can recognise in a conversation. So you'd say, mm. Yeah, you know like Mad Max and yeah, it's gone you know exactly Max. what what you mean if you yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So uh, we should say hello to some people on the show. Okay. Say hello, let's do it. Hello to Danny. We'll say hello to Haley. Hello, Danny. Say hello, hello to Hayley. Scott. Hello, Scott. Um, hello to no, we can't say hello to Jason. This is the wrong podcast. <laughs> um, I've heard he listens. Uh, oh, and hello to Simon, who I also know listens. Hello, Simon. Or at least has listened in the past. Um, so yes, today's film. Yeah, uh, so today's film is called Silence. It is, um, and based on purely on the title, and no knowledge that I'm aware of at all about the film, mm-hmm. I would speculate that it is you know, pretty, a pretty good example for its genre uh, of a kind, the kind of film I wouldn't normally watch. Very contemplative film with a lot of night skies in it, you know, styled around that very... Uh, and very much emotionally styled around that, you know, darkness but with light always showing through like stars. Um, with a strong, uh, a good uh, leading role played by uh, Kate Winslet. Wow. Okay. Is it interesting you say contemplative? Um, is that the only word that is in any way related to what the film's like? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, this is I think for this podcast. I mean, I do tackle sort of um, non genre pictures occasionally but i think we generally uh-huh. go for the genre stuff but okay. this is definitely a non uh, genre movie that i watched on friday just gone right and i've been struggling to get images out of this out of my head since i saw it right um it's a film by martin scorsese it was um released in late 2016 so it's taken me a while to get around to watching it mainly because it's very long so does martin scorsese he makes some films you might consider genre, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so he he made things like uh, Goodfellas, which I think is a kind mm-hmm. of touchstone of mob mm-hmm. uh, mob movies um, with a fantastic cast. He made Casino, which I think is not mm-hmm. as good as Goodfellas, but is on the la- same sort of lines. 
He made Raging Bull, which is an incredible film. Yeah, that's good. Um, Shutter Island. This was all a long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago, yeah. Um, I liked Shutter Island. Yeah, yeah. I kind of liked Shutter Island, though I thought that the the story that is imagined is far more interesting than the actual story of what's going on. Yeah, well, that's okay. Maybe. I, I kind of felt short-changed there. He made a movie called The Departed, which he won his only Best Director Oscar for, despite being nominated several times. Okay. Not his best movie, uh, but does feature a good performance from Jack Nicholson, I think, in one of his final... Well, he's retired now, Jack Nicholson, but in one of his final movie performances, it's a very good mm. performance. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say that Scorsese... Oh, he also made Taxi Driver, which... Mm. It's a film. Well, Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. Yeah, yeah they're good. like touchstones of American cinema. They're absolute yeah. classics. I mean, it, ta- Taxi Driver is the kind of film that I've, you know, <clears throat> I've watched it a couple of times. And when I have watched it, I just want to go and have a shower straight away because it just makes me feel dirty. <laughs> the whole New York in the 70s um, mm. aspect of it is just so mucky and unpleasant. And, you know, it kind of seeps off the movie. It's uh, an mm. incredible film. I haven't watched either of them for a long time. I wonder whether I would actually not like watching them now. Um, I've only seen Raging Bull once. I think that uh, De Niro's performance in that is probably the best of his whole career. It's just incredible. It's very intense. Very intense, yeah. I mean, there's a kind of benchmark in, in Raging Bull of you can tell when a cast and a crew and a director are absolutely focused and if you I mean, if isn't you that have, the one where he really punched the wall uh i th- uh, are you thinking of um yeah maybe are you thinking of apocalypse now martin sheen no 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 okay. I'm definitely no i'm thinking of raging bull definitely he yeah. punches the wall yeah, and there's a scene in raging bull we're digressing a bit but i just wanted to talk about this anyway there's a scene in raging bull where there's a there's a boxing match and uh, Jake LaMotta, who's played by De Niro, gets really badly beaten, but doesn't go down, mm-hmm. crucially. And he's saying to his opponent at the end of the match, through a mouthful of blood and teeth and mess, you couldn't put me down. You couldn't put me I down. I remember that, yeah. And it's just really intense and, <laughs> you know, men- mad, really. Mm-hmm. Like the drive of it. So, yes, yeah, Scorsese. I th- yeah, you could say that he's a, a maker of genre, genre pictures. But also, I'd say he's pretty mainstream most of the time. Mm-hmm. He has made a couple of um, off-piece things. One of those things in the past was uh, an adaptation of a novel called *The Last Temptation of Christ*, mm-hmm. which uh, was controversial at the time. Oh, did he make *The Last Temptation of Christ*? Yeah. That's yeah. an amazing film. I love am- it. It is an amazing film, yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favourite movies. <clears throat> I think mainly for the um, incredible it. casting in it that you just wouldn't see coming at all. <laughs> Willem Dafoe as Jesus Christ and Harvey Keitel as Judas, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Barbara Hershey. It's amazing. Um, it's very, very important to me in my journey as a Christian as well. Okay, so... So this uh, slight, film, Silence... Slightly unusual, perhaps. <laughs> well, it was controversial at the time because, uh, like, uh, you know, I, sort of, I was thinking about this before we started recording, that 
like um, Monty Python's Life of Brian, a lot of people got hot under the collar about it and hadn't actually seen it. And yeah, were picketing I, cinemas and saying, down with this sort of thing. And when they were interviewed yeah. about it, they said, no, we haven't seen it. We're just, we just don't like the title. <laughs> and um, it's like, well, okay, then go and see it and then have an opinion about it. Yeah, I mean, I really, I, I love Life of Brian, but Life of Brian was deliberately intended to irritate certain people. Whereas I, I feel like Last Temptation of Christ was really unfairly treated because I don't feel like it was intended to irritate anyone. You know, it was intended as a genuine no. thing. It's a very really. profound religious. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a piece of work that's been put together by a man who takes his religion seriously, who wants to, you know, put a make a movie that talks about it. And, it's a beautiful um, story. It's a be- yeah, it's and really silence good. is uh, is another oh segue, uh, segue. another another yeah silence is another <laughs> film all about religion. Oh right, okay. So it's yeah, so it's set in the 17th century in Japan mm-hmm. at a time when um, Japan was largely cut off from the rest of the world. Um, so there were a few. Uh, sort of foreign people there but but, you know they really weren't interested in Mm. in sort of foreign influence at that time and but there are some uh, Roman Catholic missionaries in Japan Mm. Mm. who are you know spreading the word and trying to convert people Mm. and this doesn't go down well at all and um, the, the movie starts with two young Jesuits speaking with an older, more senior Jesuit played by Kieran Hines, who uh, has received a letter that he says has come, uh, you know, across land uh, through various sources. They're not even sure if it's genuine or not. And the letter appears to be from a Jesuit who is in Japan, who claims to have renounced his faith and become a native Japanese under mm-hmm. pressure from the authorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he sends the senior Jesuit, play, played by Kieran Hines, sends two young, fairly inexperienced guys, played by Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver. Um, uh, both on Adam Driver's in his Kylo Ren in Star Wars and um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. other things. Um, he he sends them to Japan to try and find out what happened to this Mm -hmm. um, senior priest who's played by Liam Neeson. We see him at the beginning of the film uh, suffering terrible torture as the Japanese try Mm -hmm. and get him to apostise. Mm -hmm. And um, so they, what you have here is, is kind of like the setup to Apocalypse Now in which Martin Sheen has to go up river to try and find out what happened to Colonel Kurtz. It is definitely... Okay. I found that it was reminiscent of that in okay. terms of we want to find out what's happened and we have no idea what kind of territory we're going into. Okay. And there is definitely yeah. danger. Yeah. So, and I don't mean that in a frivolous way. I mean that it, it really does feel like that. It, mm-hmm. uh, it feels dangerous. Um, so they get smuggled into Japan and they... Um, they sort of move from village to village trying to keep out of sight because, you know, they know that if they're found that they will be imprisoned and tortured and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, that does happen. Somebody um, 
uh, somebody gives them up to the authorities. Mm-hmm. And um, Andrew Garfield's character is the one that they go after in quite a big way because they feel that he may be the most pious of the two of them and he's going to be the hardest to crack. So they kind of mm-hmm. go after him and they say to him, you know, he says to them, you know, there's nothing you can do to me that will make me renounce my faith. And they say, well, we know that, you know, we've been through this before, which is why we're not going to do anything to you. We're going to do things to to the people that you've converted. And um, there follows quite a lot of um, scenes of torture and mutilation and nasty, nasty stuff. And he has to observe all of this and all the while saying he's not going to convert. He won't do it. And then uh, the the thing that kind of gets him, you know, you can see the doubt coming into his mind is that uh, him and the other Jesuit have been separated mm. and then they are reunited and uh, the other Jesuit goes to save one of the people that is being tortured and is killed himself. Mm-hmm. And um, at this point, Andrew Garfield's character... He doesn't break, but you can see that he's starting to falter. He's starting to question mm. his motivation mm. for, you know, not renouncing because the the authorities in Japan um, they they all they want for him to do is to renounce. That's mm. uh, and, and there's a power play going on here as well as it being in their eyes the right thing to do there is also a power play going on there there's a a lesson that they're trying to teach people that they they repeatedly say to him and to others that that um christianity is not compatible in japan they don't want it they mm-hmm. have no interest in it and this power is the lesson is tearing human minds apart well. yes exactly exactly and um, one of the um one of the issues here is that the man who is in charge of what is effectively an inquisition, um, uh, or in this case, they did expect the inquisition. They were just trying <laughs> to hide away from it. Um, although, in a digression, um, the Spanish Inquisition would tell you when they were coming. They would give you a, a notice that they were, they were going to investigate you. Oh, really? So they wouldn't just oh. turn up. And then so people generally say, did expect them? Yes. Yes, they did. They send you a letter. <laughs> so if you weren't expecting them at that point, you just haven't been diligent. Well, you haven't been reading your mail, have you? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's your um, responsibility. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that there's uh, there's then a final a final scene um, of sort of horror and torture when. Um, several members of his like congregation are hung upside down in, uh, and they're hung upside down. Little cuts are put in their necks so that they, the blood doesn't all rush to their head. They sort of bleed a little bit, and then they're kind of they they're kind of put into a well with wooden covering their neck so they can't see any light, and they're hung upside down, and it's just horrendous. Mm-hmm. And it's at this point that the priest, played by Liam Neeson, finally appears. 
and says to uh, the character played That's by the Andrew original Garfield that, yeah, uh, okay. he says, um, y- uh, you need to do this. It's so easy. You can stop all of this from happening right now. And um, he does finally apostatize after quite a long time holding out. And then they release the prisoners. Um, and then we see a, a sort of post, uh, a, a montage that ends the film. That's narrated by a, a Portuguese trader who is talking about the events that happened after that. And um, so the, uh, the young Jesuit took a wife and had a family. And um, in when, Japan. when he dies, yeah, in Japan, took a Japanese name. Um, and when he dies, he she prepared him for burial. And uh, he's put inside a like a barrel to be burnt because apparently mm-hmm. this was the way. And you see inside the barrel, the camera sort of goes inside the barrel, and then you see in his hand there's a tiny, tiny, really crude crucifix that he's kept mm-hmm. all his life. Um, and in fact, we do see him in private. Somebody comes to him and says, I want to confess. He says, I'm not a priest anymore. You can't do that. And they say, yes, but we all know that you are. So there's there's the... Um, uh, the implication is that he has been practicing on the side without anybody mm-hmm. knowing about it, which is which is tough because all of the people who have apostatized are regularly um, investigated to make sure that they are sticking to what they've been, you know, said they were going to do. Mm-hmm. It's um, a really profoundly interesting film about you know the nature of of faith. And mm-hmm. culture and power, mm-hmm. and what people will go through for what they believe in, uh, until uh, you know, until they don't, until they give it up for the sake of something bigger. Mm-hmm. In this case, and I think that uh, you know the authorities were right to say, uh, "We know that you won't break," because the, you know they knew that he's not going to. Uh, so they decided to push him in another way. Um, Taking me a long, a long time to watch this film because I knew it was going to be long. I knew it was going to be tough going, so I wanted to approach mm-hmm. it at the right time. And uh, I, although I can't claim to have massively enjoyed it, I've been struggling to get images from it out of my head, and that's because you know uh, it is just beautiful looking. It's, uh, you mm. know, bleak in places, beautiful in others, uh, profound. And, you know, in the same way that, the, that um, the Last Temptation is also beautiful looking and profound, you know, Silence is a very similar piece of work to that. Mm. So you said it, you called it interesting and profound. Yeah. Um, what is, what is it that's interesting? Is it, is it the sort of nature of power or is it what's going on in his head or what yeah it it is about the nature of power uh because the the chief inquisitor is a man who is incredibly convivial you know mm-hmm. this isn't a tyrant on the you know on the surface this is not a tyrant that we're dealing with this is a man who seems to be quite reasonable he seems to be quite conversational he speaks pretty good english 
Um, he could certainly converse with the Jesuits in English. Um, so it's about how even people who appear to be intelligent and um, convivial and kind uh, can have utterly opposing viewpoints to our own, irreconcilable viewpoints. And uh, that makes for interesting viewing. Because okay, so so you don't think that he's a baddie? I don't think he is a baddie. I think that he, this is what his culture is. He's certainly not portrayed as being a baddie, even okay. though to us the things that he's doing are extreme and horrible. Um, they, the Japanese, do not consider Christianity at that time to be compatible with their culture. So they sought to eradicate it completely this is reminding um, me of a an Ian M. Banks book that I read fairly recently I don't remember what which one it was but um there's a character in that who's a, a despot and he mm. has decided to become a god and the way that he will be a god is is by torturing humans um essentially because that's that's what he considers God to be. So he right. wants to be like God and become a God by just um, imposing enough suffering on humans that uh, that he's kind of exercised enough power that he counts as God, I guess is his point. That is a good point. I think that, that even though the leader of the Inquisition is appears kindly and intelligent he is exercising absolute power mm -hmm. and he doesn't he never ever falters from doing that he never has a second thought about executing so, executing that absolute power so you see the the real interesting bit as the as the kind of coming together of these unstoppable force against an immovable object of these opposing absolutely views. yeah yeah and you know <coughs> they they find a pressure point to to push this young jesuit priest and they they push it and they push it and they push it until he finally cracks um and maybe he wouldn't have done if the older priest played by Liam Neeson hadn't appeared and said you need to do this maybe that wouldn't have happened um that seems to be finally timed to sort of coincide with him mm. finally cracking mentally, but I think that the, I think that that final act of torture is just too much, because you know he's seen how far they will go, and uh, you know he's he's he may be thinking that they'll go even further than what they're doing at the moment. Um, mm. It seems brutal. It's I mean, we know that. Um, during the Second World War, um, prisoners of war were treated very badly in Japanese camps. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you can draw a parallel between that and what's going on in this film, though. Um, you know, because it would be easy to say, "Oh, yeah, this is all about Japanese cruelty," when it's not about that at all. What is it about? I don't think. What it's about? What is it about? It's about faith. It's about um, how the Jesuits have faith and the Japanese have their own faith 
and the two are incompatible. And uh, it's about that power struggle between the two. And did you and learn anything about your something. own... Something. Your own, did you learn anything about your own worldview by uh, experiencing this? Um, yeah, I suppose I did. I think that it, 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 um, I think it, it kind of reinforced my view about strong beliefs and how you can. Uh, you you always have to try and understand somebody else's point of view, even if you don't agree with them. Um, and certainly, uh, in this film, there's not a lot of that going on. <laughs> so is the uh, the is the priest seen as a a heroic figure, or is he a fool? Or I think there's a bit of both. You know, there's it. Um, what's interesting about this film, among many many things, is that he is both a hero and a fool at the same mm -hmm. time. Right. You yeah. Know, he is. Yeah. I think that you do see him as heroic and noble, but also <clears throat> from the point when when the torture and mutilation starts, I was just willing him to to renounce. Right. You know, just do it. Just do it now, because because this isn't going to end. Um, mm. These are not people who are going to say, "Okay, you you're quite strong. We'll we'll stop now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder what I'd be feeling. Hmm. So I've pretty much already asked you, but um, what does it all mean? Slash, what is the point of it? What does it bring? What does it bring? What does it bring? Well, it, it, for me, it, it brought uh, an insight into stuff that was going on in Japan culturally at that time that I had absolutely no idea about because this this is based on loosely based on real events. Mm -hmm. It's based on a book, um, so I had no idea that this was going on. I knew that Japan was largely cut off from the world at that time, and that that mm -hmm. they viewed outsiders as being, you know, that untrustworthy and you know viewed them with suspicion but i mm. didn't know that any of this stuff was going on so this this was an eye opener um uh it's a yeah it's a film about faith it, it is it is made by scorsese who you know has um previously made films about faith so last temptation is one of those he also made a film called kundun which is all about buddhism I um, I haven't seen that either, I, a, no. I must say, the fact that he made Last Temptation of Christ may, certainly makes me much more inclined to <coughs> give him the benefit of the doubt in terms of um, considering putting myself through what sounds like quite an ordeal <laughs> to watch this. It is, it, it is quite an ordeal, but in terms of... Um, it, it is an ordeal, but it does have, uh, you know maybe not a happy ending but it does there is light at the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. you know, unlike something like um requiem for a dream for example oh, requiem for a dream again it comes up again yeah we keep, <laughs> we keep coming back to that as it a film that has no light at the end of the tunnel endure 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 
into end. your end. <laughs> there's that and there's Black Swan as well. I think Right, which I haven't seen, but um, I kind of look forward to that. that well Darren, Darren like. Aronofsky really loves films about people who have an obsession with something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um I watched another film of his recently called Mother. That, Mother uh, really enjoyed it but it, it weirdly it's not really something that i think we can talk about on this podcast because oh, really? it's quite extreme <laughs> yeah oh you mean it's unsuitable yes i think unsuitable so. or, for or we a, have a parental uh, a, ages three and we need a parental guidance parental guidance warning at the beginning of the podcast so we can go into detail about it because it's quite full-on mother i loved it i thought it was an incredible piece of work Okay, I wasn't expecting um, that. I, I'm looking forward to watching it someday, but it's really. I good. wasn't expecting but, that. But um, yeah, so sort of wrapping up silence. It's um, it's another very beautiful, profound piece of work from Martin Scorsese. And uh, our listener, who you know may not stray into this kind of territory much, I certainly don't. Um, it's long, it can be grueling at times, but it is worth it. <laughs> It's a bit like life, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think... There we uh, are. I might watch it. I recommend it. Yeah. Cool, yeah. I don't know whether I can bring myself to... put myself through things, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think it sounds should, worth it. But um, yeah, it is worth it. It's good. That's it. That's it. Shall yeah. I tell you some things I've watched? Yes, please do. Well, actually, I uh, I haven't watched it again yet. So I got uh, I had my birthday recently. I'm back to being a prime number, um, and I got oh, okay. Blade Runner. Uh, I got Blade Runner for my birthday, but it's sitting on the shelf waiting for me to watch it. So I'm really okay. looking forward to watching Blade Runner again. Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. 2049, yeah. Blade Runner 2049. Um, 2049. Lardy Runner. <laughs> and, uh, but I also, something I have watched, I haven't just got on the shelf, is the first episode of a TV series called Fringe. Ah, now I've seen all of Fringe. You've seen all of Fringe. So, yeah. uh, it seems pretty rubbish. <laughs> but, Have you watched any I'm of gonna, it? I've watched one episode. Um, but, yeah, I think it's uh, rubbish in an entertaining enough way that I may continue to watch more of it. Yeah, it definitely is. I think that um, the quality is wildly variable uh, oh, throughout the, I think, like three or four, maybe five series. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is fun. I think Fringe is a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Yeah, yeah it's got it a good fun. cast. And speaking of someone who's watched, I think six or seven series of um, Bones, I can't really talk I've about having se- taste in is TV Bones, series. Is that David? Is that David Boreanaz in Bones? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's is hilarious. It is it supposed yeah, to be really, funny though? Uh, sort of sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the relationship between the main character and uh angel the the sort of secondary character um yeah is really funny 
Okay, and and why is it called Bones? What's what's it a boot? She works in the exciting world of forensic pathology. No, ah, what is it? Ah, okay. Sorry. Yeah, she is. So it's like she is like the world expert on bones, <laughs> but somehow oh, they let her investigate crimes. Well, of course they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't have a TV yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they work in a yeah. uh, a television lab. Oh wow! On a, they work. They work on a platform in the middle of a beautiful building with light shining on them. Oh, this sounds awful! Uh, it's really funny. It's really funny. And the the true genius. So obviously, the main character is the supposed to be the genius. But the true genius is the computer whiz. Uh, uh, of course, she, you've got to have a computer. She. Uh, she has this amazing computer program that can basically reconstruct exactly what happened from like a notch in a bone, <laughs> and then the watch it back this. in three D in like virtual reality. Yeah, well, the police are, are definitely <laughs> interested in being helped out by by the bone genius and the computer genius. So you know, yeah, it's I don't hilarious. Touching that with a six foot pole. It's hilarious and it's. Uh, Rubbish. The thing about it is, you you watch it sort of open mouthed about how bad it is, but the script is actually pretty sharp, and the the exchanges between the main characters are funny. Okay. And heartwarming, okay. and you know all that. And the episodes are what, like forty five, forty minutes long, something like that. Yeah, maybe fifty. Doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe in about it. ten years' time, when I've got nothing <laughs> yeah. else in my queue, I'll. I'll well, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, you're, you're always watching films, so you don't need to fill up the time. But well, I do though. So amazingly, oh. I do find the time to watch. Um, I do, uh, things like um, watching Hannibal, which is uh, a TV series. So is there a series? With, All right. Of Hannibal Lecter, yeah, it's really good, but it's uh, talking of things of that are gruelling. Oh, but it's so good. Honestly, it it's brings really, new life I, uh, into Hannibal the film. Hannibal the film, I was like, oh, he's sitting there with his brain and he's poking it with electrodes. Yeah, that's not... It's not a good film, that. No. Meh. No. But this TV show is excellent. It's got a really good ensemble cast. Um, hmm. That's a film... That's a, that's a TV show that is gruelling and pushes the envelope of gore and horror <laughs> quite heavily right well yeah, yeah. i wouldn't call fringe no uh, any fringe of those things show for sure <laughs> <laughs> it's mildly entertaining and it's got the dad out of elementary in it um has it yeah have you seen elementary john no elementary is excellent i recommend it wholeheartedly I'm just looking it up. Elementary. It's a, uh, it's a modern take on Sherlock Holmes, and he's living in New York with uh, Lucy Liu. It's Lucy Liu and um, Johnny Johnny Lee Miller. Oh, John Noble is the dad. Oh, okay, yeah. So Thing he's he's the uh, main guy in. Um, uh, oh, what's it called? Ah, we're back. Can you can you still hear? Hello, me? I can now hear you again. Yeah, uh, tab just tab just crashed. 
Was it a mistake to try and use the internet? Uh, I think it probably was, yeah. I'm pushing this computer quite hard at the moment. Um, yeah, so John Noble is uh, is the actor you're talking about. Yeah. Right, that's uh, Sherlock's dad yeah. in Elementary. Okay. He's excellent. Yeah, he's a good actor, John Noble. He was in... In Elementary. The second Lord of the Rings movie as Denethor, steward of Gondor. Right. Okay, well, Lord of the Rings, can't be bothered. <laughs> Uh, Well, I appreciate its themes, you know. Something came to mind the other day and I thought, oh, this is like Lord of the Rings. Hmm. This is what Lord of the Rings really means. Wow. Yeah. Was it when you were travelling to work on the train and you thought, yeah, this is just like Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Trudging. Trudging to work. Um, I think that's probably, unless we've got anything else. I think that's probably it. We should do a bit of uh, plugging and also... Telling our listeners what to do. Should we do li- telling our listeners what to do first? Yes. Hello, listener. Uh, if you listen uh, via iTunes or iTunes, uh, we would like iTunes. you to rate and review us, please. Um, yeah. It's pure. It's all altruistic. Uh, there's nothing in it for you whatsoever. But or us. And what there is, there is, uh, oh. because uh, the more rates and reviews, good reviews, we want five stars, please. Um, yeah. The more of those we get, then we get recommended to other people to listen to. Yeah, but we don't get any money. No, we don't get any money at all. <laughs> there's no, there's no cash incentive for making this film. We do it purely out of love. It's all for fun. Um, uh, so yes, listener, we would like you to yeah. rate and review on iTunes, please. Also, any other platforms? Like there are other other podcasting platforms. Maybe you use one. So yes, there are. Do a do a rate and review Sorry. thing on there. Give us a like on SoundCloud if you like. Oh us. yeah, SoundCloud. If you listen on SoundCloud, a like. Can you do comments on SoundCloud? You can. You can leave comments at different points during the text. So, for example, if someone liked what I just said, then you can say, "I like this." They can leave a little comment saying, <laughs> "I liked what you said just then, <laughs> at that moment yeah. in the audio." I like this. It's amazing. I like that. What you said. Okay. Um, yeah, and also you should like tell SoundCloud to like some for some in some way give us free storage space so we can put all our stuff on SoundCloud instead of just the last couple of episodes. Yeah, they won't because they make you pay. They do make you pay. It's crazy. Do they ever? <clears throat> ain't ain't nobody got time to pay for space on SoundCloud? No. It's a shame that oh. if only there was a meme we could have for that. Ain't yeah. nobody got time for that. Yeah. Mm. My twelve-year-old uh, son said over nine thousand at tea time today. Over nine, which 9- is a meme. Yeah, which is a meme which I believe is older than him. Over nine thousand. Yeah. I don't know what the, the, what that means. It's it's from it's from some manga series. Oh, okay. It's a, a very cult manga series where someone says their like rating of some fighting power or something is over nine thousand. Ah, okay. I'll have to ask my son that. He'll probably know that as well. And uh, it's become it became a thing a long time ago, but clearly it's still somewhere out there in the internets. The internets that and um, uh, all your base. Yeah, uh, uh, over nine thousand was made famous again by someone who got interviewed by those horrible people um, uh, in that Church of Hate in America. Oh, the the um, West. Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, don't even give them Sorry. the oxygen of publicity. The Westboro's, yeah, um, them. Yeah. Uh, and they said, 
this person said, oh, they asked like how many sins they'd done or something. They said, oh, yeah, I know all the sins I've done. I've done over 9,000. <laughs> clearly, the interview didn't understand. It was, uh, That's so good. It it's entertaining. A, and uh, the fact that they didn't understand it is um, it's a good Better. thing. Not a bad thing. That was the, those were the people who, while they were being interviewed, their friends were hacking the, their website and taking it, replacing it with something else at the same My time. My Little Pony. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those are all things. So, uh, <laughs> other things, other things for us to say. Plugging. Yes. Uh, plug, plug, plug. Yeah, I I make a game called Rabbit Escape. It's really good. Um, it's a bit like Lemmings. You have to rescue the rabbits. It's a puzzle action game. You can get it on the Google Play Store for free. You can get it also for sixty p. Sixty p. Come on, folks. Which is a bargain. Roll up. Um, you can download it for your PC and play it there. Uh, works on most computers. Uh, just. Google for Rabbit Escape, you should find Rabbit it. Rabbit Escape. Um, or, or you could search using a different search engine like DuckDuckGo. Duck, um, I was going to say something else as well. <laughs> if I wasn't trolling oh, yeah. your conversation. Oh. <laughs> also, I'm writing a programming language. Um, so if you're interested in that, um, follow my blog, follow me on Twitter. The links to this are all on the About page. I'm going to be gradually writing uh, explanations of how I'm writing the different bits of this programming language. I'll stick a, I'll stick a link on Twitter whenever I do a little bit more writing about it, and uh, uh, you can follow along and maybe give me some ideas about how to do it better. Yeah. That's it for me. It's not quite though because you shared a link with me today uh, about oh, yeah. an article that you've written for a oh, yeah. for an online magazine, and uh, could you uh, you need to plug that it's, as well? It's a paper magazine as well yeah, as it's online. Real paper, folks. It's, it, I I receive it on paper. Yeah, uh, Overload Magazine, which is the magazine of the uh, organization called ACCU, which is a programmers uh, organization for programmers. They have a brilliant conference every year in April, which I'm speaking at. You are. And my, I, so I had an article in there this month, which is very exciting, called uh, Choose the Right Level. It's about how to write tests for your programs. Mm. It, it's one of the articles that I'm most proud of in terms of the content Although the f- opening three paragraphs are incredibly awkwardly phrased, and I wish I'd phrased them differently. <laughs> <laughs> well, I read it. But other I read than that, it, it's alright. There was a lot in there that Thanks. I recognised. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I liked it. Um, okay. Yeah, there's probably a couple of software projects in there that you recognise that I used as examples. There were definitely two, at least two, that I recognised <laughs> as being examples of stuff that I've worked on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was all just an excuse to get a plug for Rabbit Escape into the main. Yeah, that's what you really want, yeah. Um, So, uh, I present a radio show on Glastonbury FM 107.1 in the Glastonbury Street and the Wells area of Somerset. I'm in the Wells. I'm in the Wells. 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 Echo. Echo. They're on the street in Glastonbury. (laughs) Glastonbury. Glastonbury. I deserve this. I just trolled your plugging, so... Um, (laughs) That goes out live on a Thursday between 6 and 7 p.m. It's movie reviews, DVD reviews, talk about films that are coming up on tele- television at the weekend, uh, look at local cinema listings and um, do some DVD picks and also plug this podcast. And eclectic music. On that show, very eclectic music. It's it's all programmed, largely programmed from, not all, but largely programmed from uh, the stuff that I'm talking about that week, but sometimes soundtracks I play, from those films and things. Yeah, but sometimes I play 
songs that um, usually have a sad thing. So I know, you know, I played a song by Tom Petty just after he died. Um, mm. After Marky Smith of The Fall recently passed away, so I played a song by The Fall. Um, yeah, and this week, um, actually, something to add at the end of this podcast is that uh, a film composer called Johan Johansson, uh, who composed the music for Arrival and I believe also a film called Sicario, which were both directed by Denis Villeneuve. Um, he suddenly and unexpectedly died. He's quite young this week, which is very mm. sad because he was a fantastic composer. Um, so I'm going to be playing a bit of his stuff on the show this week in tribute. What are the laws about things? Can I put some music in the podcast? I can probably put under three seconds or something. You can so put um, up to 15 seconds of music... Uh, if you put any more than that, you have to talk over it. That's the rule. But wouldn't we have to pay a license despite that? No, you don't have to. As long as you don't, as long as it's no more than fifteen seconds, uh, you could you could put a whole track on our podcast. As long as we spoke over it. As long as you talk over it. Is that seconds. really? Are you sure? Yeah, because you, because somebody can't then take that track and put it on the internet because we're talking over it. They <laughs> <I> could. <laughs> Well, they could, but they'd be stupid. They liked, they'd be like, they yeah, this is the track and stuff. And yeah, it's got two blokes talking over it. <laughs> I think, yeah, that is as far as I understand it. That's certainly what they do on Como de Mayo. When they yeah, but I bet they've got, they've probably got agreements with rights companies. Well, and all kinds on, on of Five Live, they do don't that. because that's not a music station. So they don't have a, a music license for Five Live. So mm. they have to talk over it. Yeah, I, I I believe that they have to talk over it. I just don't believe that we're allowed to just stick it in well, without any we should We should check up on this. And um, if this is the case, we should play a bit of Johan Johansson, maybe on the next podcast. The music that we do have on this podcast, just as another bit of plugging, is uh, open source music, as in it's, uh, it's freely shareable under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License. <laughs> 4.0 International License. <laughs> um, so there's a, whole, there's a whole subculture of people making uh, cool music, art, and all kinds of stuff, and releasing it under these licenses, which means anyone can use it. For example, we can use it in our podcast without even having to ask permission. The music that we use is called I Don't Know, and it's by Grapes. And it's good. Um, That's good stuff. And it features Jay Lang and Morusk. Morusk. So it's actually it is actually a mashup of a couple of other things that other people wrote under these kinds of licenses. So it's kind of living demonstration of how uh, cool it is when people are just allowed to so the, use and share their stuff. For this particular license, we can use it, and we don't have to give any credit to the person who did it because they haven't asked for it. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Actually, I lied about what license it's under. What The license that I just said is the license uh, this show is under, which is the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International <laughs> License. <laughs> uh, the license that I Don't Know by Grapes, copyright 2008, is under is the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. 3.0. Attribution 3.0. Which means... So attribution means all you have to do is say say who did it. Right. Uh, whereas we use the attribution share alike <laughs> license, which means uh, not only do you have to say that we made this if you use our, our stuff, but you also, if you're making stuff based on our stuff, you have to release it under the same license. Right, yes. Okay. So you have to give it away because we gave it away. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. 
Whereas I don't know by grapes, which is under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license, is uh, you can use that in commercial work and not release it under um, uh, an open license. Right. Obviously, com commercial is not the same thing as um, uh, proprietary licensing. We could sell this podcast and still have it under a really nice license like this, but we don't because no one would buy no. it. Uh, no, nobody would buy it. Although if somebody did want to, we we'd let them. But yeah, if someone wants to you, you take this podcast, reuse it, change it, turn it in, like turn our voices into some bit of music or something like that, they absolutely can. They can sell it, but they must also give away their thing under the same license or sell their thing under the same license. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that whoever gets it, whether they bought it or downloaded it for free, they get to share it with their friends. That's the idea. Tell your friends. Tell all your friends. <laughs> so you've probably heard about this and. Well, you you may not have, but if you have heard about this, you've probably heard about open source or free software like, um, like uh, Firefox, which is a good example of um, open source free software. I'm using it now. Well, this is like, this is like, open source free culture, they call it. We should do a whole podcast about that. Yeah, free culture. Let's do it. Yeah, we should do a whole one. And we should, what we should do is we should mine the internet for excellent examples of free culture. Mm. And um, well, we, include them. We already did a podcast. podcast on what is Linux, so we should. Right. We should. That should form part of the podcast, but. Um, yeah, we should do what a, is free culture. There's a whole culture. load of old other stuff that is related to that. Yeah, we could we could promote some free music and free art mm. and stuff. Okay, I think that's it, listener. That's smoke it. Smoke them if you See got you next them. Time. Oh, actually, don't smoke. It's bad for you. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand that. Where's that from? Smoke them if you got them. Yeah. Um, I think it's been used in many, many like war films and that kind of thing. Okay. Be careful out there. That's a good one. Yeah. Don't have nightmares. Yeah. Don't eat yellow snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A number of pieces of advice. <laughs> I will leave. We'll leave. Some good, we'll some bad. <laughs> you choose which is the best. You decide. Yeah. You decide. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>